You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. We've been journeying along in um, a Path to Growth uh, sermon series. We've been talking about spiritual disciplines. We've been talking about kind of spiritual practices, uh, different, um, you know, opportunities that we've been given to enter into the grace of God. Um, we talk about them as means of grace, ways that God's grace is available and open to each and every one of us. And um, just because grace and love are available to us doesn't mean we've actually received them or we feel them or we've, um, like, can I say digested them in any meaningful way that they can kind of provide energy and strength for the rest of our life. Just because love is available doesn't mean we've, we've kind of taken it in. And these are some ways that we have the privilege and the opportunity of, um, of taking in love. Uh, today we want to talk a bit about a really huge theme, which normally we would do a whole sermon series on. But I actually love that I'm being pushed today to kind of just in the next 20 plus minutes, the next 20 plus minutes to, um, to reflect on the theme of forgiveness, which is a major theme all throughout the scriptures. Sometimes we spend a whole lot of time talking about things that um, pop up occasionally in the scriptures. And then uh, like today, we're confronted with this thing that you barely get through any chapter um, of the New Testament and many, many, um, you know, um, places in the Old Testament where forgiveness is this kind of primary underpinning, where if you kind of took the notion of forgiveness away, if you took it out of the Judeo-Christian faith and the way that we understand it, it truly does not make sense. Like that's how important, that's how woven into the DNA and the fabric of, um, of our uh, understanding of who God is and of who we are and how we're called to serve and reach out to others. Uh, forgiveness is, um, man, it's just like a huge linchpin of all of that. And it's also a really complicated um, subject because we are complicated people. Amen? Amen. Yes. I mean, like we're not, but everybody else is. <laughs> Like, we're cool, but everybody else is a bit challenging, right? And if everybody would just do things the way we need them to do, then it would be fine. But, but that's not the way it works. I, I was thinking about um, images for this, and I was immediately thinking about the Wild West. How many of you like Westerns? Anybody like Westerns? Yes. And you know, yes, we'll have a support group for you this week. <laughs> Um, I, I'm just thinking about all of us probably uh, in this room for over 12 or 13 years old have probably seen some kind of Western, uh, even if uh, younger adults, you've seen like Back to the Future 2 or 3 or 4, whatever, when they, you know, kind of Doc goes back to fix the clock, um, you know, that kind of thing. So I am inviting you to think about Westerns. And as I think about like American culture, especially since TV was birthed, uh, I'm thinking about the fact that um, like Westerns have been a bit of a staple, haven't they? Um, like they've been a bit of a staple. Like they've kind of always been there. We've always had kind of this fascination with the wild, wild west. Um, I'm inviting you to think with me for a minute about why that might be. Like the whole John Wayne vibe. Um, thinking about like uh, the movie Unforgiveness, Clint Eastwood. Thinking about, um, man, whether it's like we're drawn to kind of this like energy around the, the gold mining part of kind of the Wild West, or maybe it's we're more drawn to the, I don't know, man, the, like, you know, you and I have a problem, like, let's go settle it in the street, <laughs> you know, 
like, are you in or are you out, you know? Um, and, and it's that kind of thing, right? Which, which um, it does, like, I'm not advocating for that, by the way. Not advocating for that, by the way. Um, it's not what I want to see downtown Canton and downtown Waynesville turn into, right? That's not what we want. Um, especially when people have spent a lot of time at the saloon and are not necessarily making their best decisions in the moment. That's another draw, though, right? To this, I'm going to say rawness. This realness, this like the human condition on full display. Like we see all of that kind of in the Wild West and kind of um, in Hollywood's version of it, kind of a glamorized um, version of it. But I wonder if, friends, that whole like the Wild West, it's predictable in the sense that there are rules, but it's very unpredictable in the sense that most people don't follow the rules. That's kind of what makes it kind of some good entertainment, right? And so it's like the biggest outlaw or rebel will not really know how to use the rules to their advantage. They'll just kind of know how to skirt them in a way that they can still live, but get rid of all of their enemies. As you think about a landscape um, where forgiveness is not a reality, and, and something maybe of the Wild West gives us some kind of illustration of what that might actually be like. I want to um, just uh, preach briefly this morning on kind of three different ways. I'm going to use three different parts of Scripture that I think illustrate something to us about the importance of forgiveness in, in three ways. Number one, uh, and these um, are not necessarily in order. Okay? These are, that's my disclaimer. These are not necessarily... In order, I want us to be able to talk a little bit about what it means to have forgiveness and reconciliation with God and how important that is. I want us to talk a little bit, we're going to talk a good bit about that, and then a little bit more about how, to, how are we called to have forgiveness in our relationships with others and what does it mean actually to be able to extend and have forgiveness for ourselves, for not knowing everything that we think we should have known and not for being able to do everything that we feel like we should have done. How do we have that conversation with ourselves and still take what is sin and broken and like kind of, you know, the brokenness in our life, how do we not just dismiss that, right? How do we not just dismiss that and pretend like it doesn't matter? Because it does matter. It matters significantly. And at the very same time, um, there's a reason that we sing about this cross this morning. Um, and that is that we, we are imperfect people. Um, and we do need to be able to extend grace to ourselves to be able to receive God's grace that is meant to transform our life and create life anew. So that's the plan for the next few minutes. Um, and if that's not okay, just stand up and object and we'll go in a different direction. Um, uh, I really do mean that. Like we can, <laughs> that, that doesn't strike a need. Then let's, uh, let's talk about what does. Um, Psalm 51 Psalm 51, um, personally, words that I get caught up in, um, powerful words that um, uh, David, in this case, um, as the psalmist, is, is pouring out his heart. Um, in song, by the way, the psalms are sung songs of praise. This one happens to be a prayer of confession where he is naming the fact that, not to get into all the details of that, but I just don't want to give you the out to say, um, well, like, God couldn't possibly forgive me for what I've done because, like, it's way worse than any other person or any other thing. And David is sitting upon the moment in his life where because of the authority and the power that he had, Right? He had access to do some really difficult and challenging things. And included in that is adultery and included in that is um, having the 
person that he was in love with having that person's uh, husband killed on the front lines because he was the commander in chief, because he was the king. So there's some like murder stuff in there. So pr- pretty significant challenges that Nathan the prophet uh, has risked his life to, to be able to speak into David's life. Um, he could have easily been David's next casualty, but I like how when Pastor Tom was praying, he was talking about when I'm conscious and aware. Uh, we don't always live in that conscious and aware space, but it was something about this confrontation where Nathan had the right and responsibility, but also the privilege to speak into David's life in a way that in this moment, like, like the Holy Spirit really broke through. And so it leads David to these words, and I just want to um, just kind of like pray through them with you. Um, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, and according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Do you hear that? like place of um, famine and that place of desperation and that place of deep need and longing where like, like do you hear that just even in the first couple of sentences, you hear this notion of like, God, where I am, I couldn't possibly, even with all the responsibility given to me, I couldn't possibly make all of this right. So, So like I'm coming to you. Like wash away all of my iniquity, he says, and cleanse me from my sin. I love that cleansing image. Can you think about that with me? Just like a holy bath kind of image. We think about that in baptism. We think about that, um, you know, in all kinds of ways in Jewish tradition. Um, Orthodox Jewish tradition, there's a thing called the mikvah, which is a holy bath, which is a repeating thing. Um, baptism is more of a once God does it, it is a done kind of thing. Um, verse three, for I know my transgressions, Like, that's David saying, like, I am becoming aware more and more of the horror that has been me. And I'm praying in confidence that you would cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Let me repeat that. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. So to think about that image, right, of something that is a part of us and like we can't really separate ourselves from it because it's now become a part of us and we don't know what to do with it and like just kind of, you know, sit in that space with me for a minute. It's not an easy space to sit in for a minute, but let's sit in that space together, realizing that we're not alone um, and that we can sit in that space uh, in God's strength and um, allow God to minister to us in that moment. If, if David could do that here, like we can do that here. And, and against you and, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely, um, verse 5, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time that my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb and, and you taught me wisdom even in that secret place. Like even before I knew that I was me, David saying, God, you were working in me. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Like let me hear joy and gladness and let the bones that, that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity and create in me pure and clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Let me reread that prayer. Uh, Create in me a pure and clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't, Don't cast me from your presence. 
or take your Holy Spirit from me, but restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit that will sustain. And then here's the, like the if in what David is saying. God, if you can, if you can lead me through all of that, um, if you can lead me through all of that, verse 13, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that like sinners will be able to turn back to you. He goes on just a few verses from here to say, you know what, um, oh God, like you're not really after burnt offerings. You're, you're not really after um, sometimes the, the ritual observations of, of kind of how we give offering to you because sometimes, oh God, we can give those with our head and with our hands, but with an empty heart. But oh God, a broken and a contrite heart, you will not despise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I, I, I just, maybe we can even summarize most of what that psalm says just by even unpacking that last verse, right? It, it's like a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. It's almost like, like you could flip that around, especially if you're new to the faith. You could flip that around and you could say, like, God wants me to have a broken heart? Like, what's that about? But, but flip that whole statement around, right? Uh, a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. In other words, oh God, like what you long for from us is a heart that is open enough for your grace to touch and cleanse and heal. Can, can, you, hear, can you hear those words as an invitation, as I try to hear them as an invitation? That, um, that we like serve a holy God and that holiness is a big deal to God. It's a big deal throughout the story of the scriptures. It's a big deal for us. Um, for years and for thousands of years, actually, the notion of the holiness of God is um, what kept God at a distance from people. Like, I, I can't say God's, in the Jewish tradition, I can't say God's name because I might say it wrong. And if I say it wrong, then God's going to be mad at me. Um, so I'm not going to say God's name. So I'm not going to call God by name because I might get it wrong. And I'm going to like, you know, try to make sure that I fit my life within these 400 plus commandments. And I'm not even really totally sure what they mean, but I'm kind of trying to fit my life into that. And there's this kind of fear and trembling notion of a relationship with God, which is understandable, right? Given the awesomeness of God, like given the awesomeness of who God is and like how God is doing what God is doing in a salvation story, like how profound all of that is. Is. Like it's it's important that we have some reverence and some appreciation um, for for who God is and the fact that we're created in that. This is really important. We're created in the image of God, but sometimes, friends, we do the opposite and we create God in our own image, and that's problematic. That's problematic, right? Um, that that's challenging. When we've I, here's here's the challenge: you you in your own life, and me in my own life, and you in your spirit, and me in my spirit. Like I can't redeem or save myself. Like I can do things to help myself. I can do things to harm myself, but I can't like save myself. Um, so if I'm like creating God in my image, then I'm creating a God that really doesn't have any more power than I have. But when we kind of take it biblically and begin to think about and pray about the way that God has actually created us in God's image, and the gift of that is that, um, man, we, we're part of God's creation. We're part of God's creation that God is longing to, for all of creation, 
God is longing to redeem. God is longing to restore. God is longing to um, help the kingdom of heaven and its values begin to kind of overwhelm, not by force, but overwhelm the kingdom of earth and sometimes what is often our wild, wild west values, right? Um, I love how Lisa Turkhurst says, uh, says it this way. She says, uh, grace given when it feels like it's least deserved is, is like the only anecdote for bitterness. We may actually have a slide of this as well. Um, I know that that's um, not an easy truth, but, but we must know that like when we hold on to anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, we're doing the devil's work for him. Forgive, forgiving someone is like making the decision to choose mercy and grace over bitterness and resentment. To love God is to cooperate with God's grace. Luke 6 says it this way, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Since I'm so aware of my need for grace, I must be willing to freely give it away as well. Each hole left in my heart by something someone has said or done must become an opportunity to create more and more space for the grace and for grace in my heart. Forgiveness doesn't validate them and it doesn't justify their hurtful actions, but giving grace saves us and it sets us free. Giving grace saves us and it sets us free. There is this like powerful, powerful notion in the scriptures that forgiveness isn't meant to be just kind of this theological concept that we read about. It's actually meant to be like a lifestyle, maybe even the lifestyle of uh, somebody who is longing to follow uh, in the way of Jesus. Uh, no secret, right? But biblically speaking, reconciliation to God can happen in two different ways. Number one, it can happen in the way of just like following the law perfectly. Like that's kind of the like um, uh, kind of the Hebrew answer, right? In the Old Testament that we receive is you're just meant to kind of follow the law perfectly. And it's not that in that understanding of, of the Jewish faith, it's not that there's not a notion of God's mercy because there absolutely is a notion of God's mercy that makes up for where we fall short. But true righteousness, right? And true reconciliation with God um, can kind of only come from like, like living that law, living that law really well, living that law Perfectly, the the other biblical model for reconciling and being reconciled with God is um, well, trusting Jesus. That um, that grace that grace comes first, and as we have an opportunity to receive grace and and be forgiven and to be cleansed, then we have an opportunity to respond to God with holiness and righteousness. Like that's our response. Like to be able to say, God, we want more of this grace that renewed our life and restored us in our worst moment. And we want more of that. And we want to be more like you because you're the giver of that. And we want to be able to live that not only in our own life, but, but in the world around us. Isn't that interesting as we kind of think about it? Like, like think biblically with me for just a minute, kind of two ways to, to be redeemed before God, to like live perfectly and then righteousness and holiness kind of earn grace. Or to trust Jesus and realize that grace comes first and that we have an opportunity to receive that grace, be transformed and renewed by it, and then the holiness and the forgiveness and the righteousness that takes place in that moment is our, like it's our response. 
You, you know, implied in all of that is a really hard question for us. It's a really important question for us. It, it's one we ought to be praying through. It's one, like, we ought to, in our small groups, we ought to talk about. Um, it, it's, if you're, like, um, seeing a counselor, a pastoral counselor, or somebody like that, and you do, if you're not seeing somebody like that, and you'd like to talk through some of this, like, on a one-on-one -on -one level, please let me know, and I'd love to make that referral and help you with that. Um, like, th this is worthy of those kind of conversations, this particular question, and that is this. Like, what are you going to do with your brokenness? What are you going to do with your brokenness? What am I going to do with, with my brokenness? Like a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. Why? Because it's humble and because it's honest and because it's earnest and because it's real. And God can do a lot with our little, right? That um, it's not typically what we ask God to do. I have been way too guilty in my personal and pastoral life, as if there's a huge difference in those two things, but I've been way too guilty of asking God to do a little with my lot than asking God to do a lot with my little. Can I say that again? It's a bit of a tongue twister, but I think it's really important. Like far too often, I've been like, God, I got most of this. Can you help me out a little here? Because I don't know what to do with this. Rather than what is a much more honest prayer, right? Much more honest prayer. God, I have no freaking clue what to do with this. I have no clue. Like, I've made up my mind that I think I know how to manage 80% of this, but the truth is, that's just me trying to be me. And I don't need more of me in this. I need more of you in this. Like, I want you to think about that in maybe a relationship that feels broken. And it's like, is more of me needed in that? Or is like more of God and God's reconciling spirit needed in that? Like, think about that in all aspects of our life, right? Church life, um, relationship life, uh, even our relationship with ourselves, that kind of plays out. But are we, like, are we asking, are we asking God to do like a little with the lot that we think we have? Or are we asking God to do what probably feels more earnest and honest, which is actually God... I got a little bit to offer here, and this prayer is most of it. <laughs> and would you do a lot with this, please? Because I'm going to do my best to rely and trust upon you. And I want to remind you that God wastes nothing. I want to remind you that God is the ultimate recycler. Um, I want to remind you that God redeems everything. That's a huge message in the book of Revelation, by the way, about God doing a, creating a new heaven and a new earth. God isn't just saying, oh, this universe is really messed up. I'm just going to create another universe somewhere and start over. No, a new heaven and a new earth means God's starting with what is. God's starting with what is and restoring and rebuilding and redeeming that. Like, that's a huge message that we're meant to be able to grab hold of. Pastor Tom and I on Wednesday nights are leading an alpha class. It meets right in a classroom right in here. Any of you are welcome to join if you'd like to come even this Wednesday. But um, uh, Nikki Gumbel, um, who's an Anglican priest, he used this great illustration this past week. Um, he um, used to be a lawyer, so he wanted to make sure that... that um, folks on the video knew that this was a fake story, like it's a false story, it's a parable, um, because it's a story about a judge. And a judge has an opportunity to be able to hear um, a case um, with a, like a friend, somebody that the judge cares about that is sitting at the table and having to defend himself. And so sure enough, the judge lets the arguments play out. And then sure enough, um, it gets to the time where um, the confession of the defendant actually comes forth and is admissible. And so now the judge has just heard a confession from one who is a friend. 
And so there's really not a whole lot of question about guilt or innocence. Like there's not a whole lot of question about what the judge can do here if the judge is going to like be just and honor the value of the law and not tell everybody that this is an okay thing to do. Like, like there's got to be some kind of balance there with, with justice and with mercy. And um, God bless judges as they negotiate that on a, like an hourly basis, and they do. Um, and many of them do it remarkably faithfully. Um, but I love this story because um, what Nikki Gumbel says is like the judge then pronounces the verdict. And so there's, uh, you know, there's a fine that goes and is associated with this particular um, confession and then conviction. And um, the fine is 20,000 pounds, right? 20,000 pounds. And so the judge um, does the, does the verdict and then slams the gavel down and then stands up and takes his robe off and leaves his robe in the chair and goes around and puts his arms around the defendant whom he's just declared guilty and pulls out his checkbook and writes a check for 20,000 pounds because he knows that this particular friend would go to jail because he can't possibly pay that. Justice, mercy, a, a glimpse of Jesus, like not climbing down from a judge's bench, but climbing up to a cross. And what that actually means for us is God kind of takes upon God's self stuff that's really ours, but God takes it willingly so that we know that we don't have to continue to carry it. And then to like for that defendant to walk away and just go do the same thing all over again, probably not going to happen because there's some real investment, right? There's some real investment in um, a, a juror, like a justice who like took his robe off, came around, put his arm around him and paid the penalty for him. Isn't that a powerful story? Isn't that a powerful notion of like, like how God is constantly longing to, um, to reconcile us. Can I... Um, just, I just want to touch a little bit more, in addition to the Lisa Turkhurst quote, a little bit more about if we can appreciate the fact that we are in a forgiveness kind of relationship with God, um, what that actually says about the way that we're meant to offer some version of forgiveness to ourselves and extend that to others that are um, a part of, of our life. Um, as I think about that, and as I invite you to think about that, um, who does holding someone in unforgiveness, who does that actually hurt? Yeah, who does that hurt mostly? Can we think about that? I mean, the, the most common quote around this is uh, holding someone in unforgiveness is like me drinking poison and expecting them to die. Right? When the reality is who's, gonna, who's like dealing with the effects of the poison uh, uh, like I am. And and I'm actually carrying a weight that is far too heavy a burden for me to carry. Um, and it doesn't mean that there's not some righteousness wrapped up in that. And it doesn't mean that there's not some justice wrapped up in that. Because that can be right. It also doesn't mean that the person that I'm struggling to forgive in some capacity, whether they be living or dead, it doesn't mean that what they did is okay. It, it doesn't mean that um, even I wouldn't do some things differently if I couldn't have it to do over again. Um, it also doesn't mean that that person deserves to have exactly the kind of relationship with me that may have had a lot of vulnerability to it, that that, that person would have the same kind of relationship with me that they currently have. Like that's not, it, it doesn't imply any of that. 
but implies this just basic notion that Jesus teaches in this story that I won't read because it just take a long time to read, but it's this phenomenal um, story, right, about the, the unmerciful servant who was forgiven a huge debt and then turned around and um, sent someone to prison for a very minuscule debt that was owed to them, which meant they really didn't learn anything from the fact that they had just been forgiven a massive debt from, um, you know, from the king. And that we all are constantly being forgiven a, a massive debt, right, from the king. And what does that actually, like, look like for us? I mean, we got to be able to appreciate, right, that, like, sin is hard. Sin, like, breaks things. Sin is this, like, really big word in the Bible where we kind of talk about, like, places where we need healing. Um, there's some kind of sinfulness at the root of that. Um, you know, this phenomenal story in uh, Genesis 2 where creation is deemed very good. And then immediately we begin to work towards, like, what? we think we want versus what God says we need. Like what we think we want versus the provision that God has, has provided. And so there's this like tug of war between God's will and our will and kind of all of sin kind of, kind of drives back to that place of pride, really. But, but I want to like encourage you. I want to encourage you to think about the fact that like, like we have an opportunity in the lives in which we live where we have the chance to pass on to others, the grace that God has extended to us. And, and here's a really controversial, this is a really controversial um, statement, and if you disagree with this, it's okay. Um, I just want to share with you that my read of the Gospels and my read of this huge topic of forgiveness, that Jesus, in my mind, is pretty clear about something. Again, doesn't have to be true for you, but I'm just asking you to consider it. Um, that sometimes when I'm unwilling to really begin to like extend a path of reconciliation and forgiveness to someone who I'm in a broken relationship with, what that can often say is that there's something in myself that would actually never receive that forgiveness to begin with. That I'm actually now trying to pass on something that I actually haven't fully received. Because when I fully received it, I'm kind of like David the psalmist. God, like, like when this breakthrough happens in my life, I have to be able to talk to other transgressors about how gracious and merciful you are and how big your kingdom is and how wonderful you are, how you were merciful to me in a moment when you didn't have to be. And, and I have to be able to pass along that message to the world on your behalf because now that message is like a part of me. And so what does that say, friends, about like our relationship with ourselves and how sometimes, um, sometimes we're our worst judge and jury? Like, amen to that? Do you, are you ever your worst judge and jury? Can I give you some good news? You're a work in progress. You are a work in progress. Sometimes emphasis on the progress, sometimes emphasis on the work, <laughs> Right? But you are, a, you are a work in progress. I love how in 1 Timothy 1, um, beginning in verse 12, uh, this is how Paul talks about this. He says, I, I, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because uh, he judged me faithfully, appointed me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and an insolent um, opponent, but I received mercy... 
because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and the love that are in Christ Jesus. He goes on to saying, the, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost, the Apostle Paul says. I want to read that again. That the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me... Right? That in me, as uh, the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, and only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God extended grace to sinners to, to whom I was and am the foremost sinner. And yet, out of that grace comes life. Can I close with this? Um, Ryan Jacobson's in the, um, Ryan's in the um, um, balcony. And I had an opportunity to do a funeral at, at Wells yesterday um, for a beautiful man named Ben. And... Um, several of you in the room were a part of that because you were friends of his. But there was this really beautiful um, moment. I'm going to call it beautiful. Um, they probably wouldn't like me calling it out. But we had uh, Air Force uh, service members that were there. They were amazing as they always are in their um, willingness to help those who are mourning. And um, it was a... Uh, um, uh, ben Latimer, a, a veteran, and, and so um, he was kind of being recognized in that particular moment where there's an unfolding of the flag and then there's a refolding of the flag and a presentation to the family. And um, it was just kind of a phenomenal moment. I just was sitting right there and um, the, there are two people, right? One on the end of each flag and one person does the holding and the other person does the folding. And the person doing the folding is on this side and, and they actually make their way almost to the last fold of the flag. If you've ever seen that, there's a real art to that. Maybe some of you have actually done it. Um, but here's what was amazing is that the person knew, um, like the other person's right there, the person, the, the armed service, the service member knew that if they finished folding the flag, it wasn't going to be right. Like it wasn't going to be long enough. It wasn't going to have a tail and they couldn't tuck it in. And so it wasn't going to stay. They just knew it wasn't right. And so like in the presence of this, of the service, right, where like in armed forces, like air force, like perfection's kind of a big deal, Right. This person, like, stopped for a minute, backed up four or five more folds, back to the middle. Because here's what they knew that we sometimes forget. The end can't work out unless we get the middle right. Because what happens at the end actually is determined by what's happening in the middle. And then he began to refold the flag, the last half a little bit of a different way. We might even call it a moment of redemption, perfectly folded flag presented to the family, but somehow having to go back to the middle so that the end would work out right. I think here's what I wanna to say to you about that, friends, is that so frequently um, we long for certain things at the end of our life. We don't all know how long we're gonna live, but we long for certain things. And I'm gonna say that the theme of forgiveness, uh, like a lot of what we long for is wrapped up in, in that. And I'm gonna share with you that we should not wait until the end to think that all of that's just gonna kind of magically work out. But I wanna invite you 
that if you flash, you know, kind of work towards from where you are today towards the end, and, and if it kind of doesn't feel like that, that that is the ending that you're longing for, whatever that may look like, that God gives us the opportunity <laughs> to fold back the flag, <laughs> to, to redo the middle a bit, so that the ending can actually be more of what we long for it to be. Can I invite you, friends, um, to take that charge as a part of your heart in your relationship with God, um, in your relationship with others? And uh, today I want to really invite you to grab hold of that gift of truth um, for yourselves and for your own heart, because God is good, and God's steadfast love endures forever. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.